James chapter number two in your Bible. We're going to cover a good amount of verses here this morning, and uh, I'm excited about this particular passage uh, because, man, I tell you, there's a lot in this passage that we can learn from and grow from here in James chapter number two, and we'll look at verses 14 through through 18. Now, obviously, we go verse by verse through the Bible, and and we next chapter, next verse, and and a lot of times, especially in the book of James the thoughts carry over to the next verse or the next set of verses. And so just as a review, last week we talked about um, loving everybody. We're all created equal. We need to be treated equally. We talked about loving people, uh, even when they don't agree with us or, or think like us or act like us, that, every, that the church needs to be a place of equality where there is uh, there's no caste system or divisions among because of race or because of uh, certain you know, financial status, that the gospel makes everybody the same, rich or poor, black, white. It uh, doesn't matter the color of your skin or that the size of your house. When you come into God's house, there is a place of equality and a place where truth is presented and everyone is treated the same. And aren't you thankful for that, right? Aren't you thankful that you can come in just as you are and you can be accepted as you are because the Lord Jesus Christ loves you, he died for you, and he wants to help you. What we also said, though, along with that, is that though we want to treat people the same and love people equally, and church is a place of equality, church is also a place where the gospel truth and the truths of the word of God need to be presented in a loving way. I don't know about you, but I, I grew up in a church where sometimes they would present the truth in a very pointed, uh, very strong way. And some people like that. Some people like to, uh, you know, kind of like, you know, be you know, you know, yelled at and really the point driven home. That's not necessarily what you're going to find here at Heritage. We speak the truth, but in love. Because we understand that not everyone is where they need to be, including this guy up here is not where he needs to be. And so we want to help encourage each other to become the Christians that God wants us to be. So we have a balance as Christians. We have to love everyone equally. We have to treat everyone the same. It's a place of equality, but also it's a place of truth. And it's a place where we grow together in love and we speak the truth in love. Now, James continues these thoughts in chapter two, and he brings out what some would say is a very controversial passage. This passage here uh, can be looked at controversially when it comes to our salvation. The Bible is very clear. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, I'll quote it for you. It says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The Bible is so clear that when we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for our salvation, we are saved. It is by faith through the grace of God that he gives to us, we are, we, we're saved. It's not by works. We would preach that. It's not by what you do. You can come to church a million times. It's not going to get you any closer to God when it comes to salvation. God doesn't look at your church attendance. He looks at faith. Have you believed in Jesus Christ as your Savior? If you have, you go to heaven. If you don't, you don't go to heaven. You go to hell. This is what the Bible teaches. I know it doesn't sound very popular, but it is the truth of the Word of God. And so we have to understand that salvation is simply through Faith in Jesus Christ and putting your faith in Him as your personal Savior, not by works. Well, then we come to James chapter number two, and James kind of like totally like gives us a whole other perspective on this. He says this in verse number 14. He says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? Okay, now what do we do with this? 
if salvation is by faith and by putting our faith in Christ, but yet James is teaching here that, that can faith alone save him? We have to be careful. Let me, let me help you understand this truth, is that when you approach the Bible, you have to approach it with, with open eyes. You, you have to make sure that you understand what the Bible is teaching and what it's not teaching, because this is how cults are formed. Because somebody takes a scripture verse, they twist it to their advantage, and they say, you have to do this, and you have to follow me. This is how people get uh, duped into believing a false teaching. But by the way, just a reminder, I know it's 2021, but there are still false teachers out there, okay? When you turn on the TV, or you look around on social media, and someone's saying this, or they're saying that about the Bible, that doesn't always mean it's true. Let me, it's sad to say this, but just because someone stands up from behind the pulpit does not necessarily mean they're always telling you the truth. Okay? And so we have to be aware, we have to know what the Bible says. This is why we don't take time to tell you what I think, we take time to tell you what the Bible says so that when your faith is tested, when you are pushed up against, you can say, no, wait a minute, I know what the Bible says because we covered that five years ago when, when we went through James chapter number two and my pastor said this and I studied it out more. Listen, what we want to do is we want to feast from the Word of God. This is like a, like a buffet. Everybody been to a Vegas buffet? Anybody? Okay, all right. We won't judge you. Maybe you were there just for the buffet. That's fine. It's okay, right? But, you know, trying to get some money for the church. Praise the Lord, right? Amen. And so it's like a feast, right? I mean, you can just feast on it. What we want to do is we want to look in the Word of God and say, what is the Bible teaching us? And what is James teaching us here this morning? Here's what the Bible's saying. We'll read the rest of the passage, but let me, let me get it out front here so we're on the same page. What James is teaching is that it is possible to believe in God, but not know God. It is possible to have a belief in your head that there is a God, and call that faith but yet it is not faith at all. And what he pulls out here is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, where he says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Here's what I will say about Christianity. The Bible teaches this so clearly that when you have genuine faith, there will be genuine evidence of that faith. This is what James is teaching. This is the whole passage here. And he does not take the doctrine of soteriology or the doctrine of salvation and change it. He's not changing it. He's not messing with it. He understands that you're saved by grace through faith, but he is calling out people. Remember, James is the half-brother of Jesus. He's kind of a bold guy. He doesn't have a lot of time for like you know uh, mincing words. He's not very diplomatic. He just basically says this. He says, there are some of you in this room that are holding on to this head knowledge of faith, and you think that you are saved because you believe in a God, but yet there is no clear evidence in your life that you are a Christian, that God lives inside of you, and so he's going to call to question your genuine faith because there's no genuine evidence of your faith. And this is something that is not necessarily popular in today's Christianity. Why? Because Christians, they want to come to church, not, not you guys, other Christians. They want to come to church. They want to enjoy the sermon. They want to kind of, you know, get felt good and, 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 and give a little spiritual pep talk. And they want to go out and live how they want to live until next week. And then they come in and then they kind of feel good about themselves. And they get a little spiritual pep talk and they go out and they, and they face the world. And they don't want to change anything about their life. They don't want to inconvenience themselves. They don't want to make themselves feel uncomfortable. But my friend, true Christianity is not about you getting to live how you want to live. Because when you are saved by the gospel, when Jesus Christ comes into your life, the gospel will transform you. 
It will. See, sometimes what we think is we look at Christianity like this and we say, okay, well, now that I've become a Christian, I better go ahead and change a few things. Maybe I'll clean up my language and maybe I'll start going to church more. Now that I'm a Christian, maybe I should start doing some things. Can I say this? Is that you, true faith in Christ is not you becoming a Christian and then you deciding to change. True Christianity and true faith is that when you accept Christ, you will change. Not because the pastor is putting pressure on you to change. Not because we feel guilty and we send you a text message when you don't show up to church or something. It's because the gospel is so powerful and God is so big that if any man be in Christ, he will become a new creature. He will transform. He will have evidence in his life of true conversion and faith. And this is what James brings out here. Notice in the passage, there's a couple things we have to notice. We also have to notice this, is that James never talks about changes that are negative. He only talks about changes that are positive. He never says that, okay, if you have genuine faith, then you, then you will not uh, you know, lose your temper. He doesn't say that. Sometimes as Christians, what we think is this. Follow me now. Are you with me now? Okay, am I the only like, you know, the guy I understand? I, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I live this life too, right? Sometimes we think, we say this to ourselves, if I was a Christian, I, I wouldn't do that. Man, if I was truly like, you know, a Christian, I wouldn't live this way. I wouldn't act this way. And so many times we put the focus on the negative actions. But James does not put the focus on negative actions in our Christian life. He puts the focus on positive actions. That if you are a Christian, we understand you're still a sinner. You're still going to fall short. But what is it that God is doing in your life to show evidence that you have been saved? And he says this. He says, what good is it, my brothers? Verse 14. If someone says he, he has faith but does not have works. Now, notice that this is the key word in this whole passage. Because it sets up the rest of what he's talking about. He says, can that. Is it on the screen there? Yeah, it is. Can that. We're going to look at all these verses, and that word right there, the word that, is the absolute essential word. Because if that word is not there, then we're thoroughly confused. He's not talking about can, can faith save him without works. He's calling into question that faith. The faith that you say you have, but yet there's no evidence. The faith that you say you have in God, but we don't see any result, any fruit from it. I'm talking about messing up one time or, or every now and then. I'm talking about a habitual life that is, that is totally against what God is calling us to. Is that faith a faith that can save? That's a key word right there. Because the rest of the passage, he focuses in on that faith. He's talking about that. He doesn't reference it that way because he feels like you already got it, right? So we're not talking about faith in God. The Bible says if you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, ready? You're saved. Done, signed, sealed, delivered, like the wonderful Stevie Wonder song that he wrote, right? Okay, signed, sealed, delivered. It's okay, I like Stevie Wonder. Okay, it's good. Come on now, right? You want me to sing it? I can sing it right now. I won't. I won't. I won't. Okay, don't tempt me. I will. I'm, come on. No, all right. Now, signed, sealed, delivered, right? Okay? You belong to God. That's real faith. That's genuine faith. He's not talking about that faith. He's talking about this other faith that says, I surround myself with Christian things. I have Christian people in my life or Christian things around me, but I don't have Christ in me. 
Because when you have Christ in you, your life will be different. Can I say that again? When Christ is inside of you, the gospel will change you. You won't stay the same because you can't stay the same. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Listen, the gospel is too powerful and God is too big for you to stay the same. You can't tell me someone as big as God moves into your life and nobody notices it and there's not a change. Can you imagine if I came over to your house and said, I'm going to stay the week at your house and I'm going to just kind of let myself, you know, me casa su casa, right? And I walked in and then I went on your couch and you know, I got the blankets out, and I went in your fridge, and, and you know, I put, took my shoes off, and you know, I shaved in your in your, in your sink, and, and you know, I got all my you know, shaving clippings and the thing there. I didn't clean up a thing. I didn't throw away anything. I didn't fold the blankets when I'm done. Can you imagine if a week later you walked up to your spouse and you said, "Hey, honey, this, was somebody here?" Because I, I I I can't really tell if somebody is here. Listen, if I moved into your house for just a week. Things would change. You would notice. Don't tell me someone as big as God moves into your life and there's no evidence. He says, can that faith save him? And he brings us back to the foundation of Christianity that the gospel transforms us. That you cannot change yourself. The gospel changes you. And God works. See, God right now, the Bible says, He that has begun a good work in you, Philippians 1.6, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Right now, you know what God is doing in your life? He's working. He's working. He's working in you to change you, to grow you, to, to make you more like Him. It's going to happen, and we have to allow it to happen. You say, well, I don't, I don't know if it's happening because I don't necessarily have a desire to do good. I don't have a desire to, to, to be around spiritual things. I don't necessarily care if I, you know, it doesn't matter if I miss church for six months or I never spend time with God or, or I never think about doing good things. Then James is calling the question. He's saying, I would check to see if there's true faith in there. See, this is why it's, see, this is, see, this is when we go verse by verse. It's not sometimes we, we get these passages, right? And, and I want to say, man, you're good, but sometimes we have to examine ourselves and ask ourselves, is there true faith in my heart? But the Bible says you will know them by their fruits. You see, if we put a seed in the ground, right, apple seed, you know, orange seed, whatever it is, right, watermelon seed, okay, whatever you like, you, you decide, okay? Put a watermelon seed in the ground, something's going to grow. It's because the seed's in the ground. It's there. If nothing is growing, can I say it this way? You might want to check if there's seed in the ground. This is what James is teaching. And he goes on. He says this in, in verse uh, number 16. Excuse me, verse 15. He says, If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you say, say to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed, for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. And strong language here from James. He's not saying that you need works in order to get faith. It's not what he's saying. Follow the logic here. Follow the pattern here. He's saying if you have faith, then there will be good works. It's unavoidable. 
He's not saying the opposite, that if you have, you have to do works to get faith. We, don't, we can't earn our way to heaven. We can't work our way to heaven. But when we have faith in God and we accept the gospel, there will be a transformation. There will be a change. He goes on in verse number 18. He says this, But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Okay, so now there's two people that says, I have faith. Now, th- what he's saying is, there are people who will say, I believe in God. I mean, I know God. I grew up going to church. My grandmom took me to church all the time. By the way, praise God for grandmoms who take their grandchildren to church. Praise the Lord. I mean, my grandmom drugged me to church Sunday morning, drugged me to church Wednesday. I mean, I, I just went, I didn't have a choice. Pray, I'm saying, hey, I'm thankful that my grandmom knew what she was doing and made sure that I was in, in church. And by the way, parents, it's a good thing to have your children in church because they're hearing the word of God and it's a good investment. I know they may be fidgety right now and that's okay. I know they may, you think, I don't know if they're getting anything out of it. Hey, just being in the right place sometimes is all they need to be. Being in the right place with the right people is a good thing. And so, I tell you, we, we come to church, and, 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 and some people say, well, I grew up in church. I mean, I've been, I've been, I've been, I talk to people, I've been in church all my life. I have faith. And then someone says, well, yeah, I have faith too, and here is the evidence of that. Like, I'm, I'm following God, I'm reading the Bible, I'm, I'm spending time with God, I have a desire for spiritual things. Here's the evidence. He's saying, in, verse, in the verses, he's saying, verse 18, He says, but some will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. Okay. He says, you say you have faith, prove that to me. What evidence in your life will point back to that you've been saved other than you're telling me? This is what he's he's saying. Again, it's not about us going out and finding something to do so that we feel more saved. It's about us allowing the gospel to transform us. Listen, some of you have been saved a long time. And when you first got saved, you were nowhere near the Christian you are now. You grew. Why? How did you grow? It wasn't because some pastor put the thumb on you and said, you better grow or get out of this church. It's because the gospel got inside of you. And when the gospel gets inside of you, things start happening. And they start changing. And they start to, and you may not be where you are. You may fall short at times. You may mess up at times. But ultimately, you're a lot closer. Christianity is not about perfection. It's about progress. And when you get saved over here, and now 10 years later, you're in the same spot, there's a problem with that. God said, I didn't save you over here to stay in the same spot. I saved you so that my gospel can work in your life and so that you can become more like me. The Bible talks about Christianity means what? The Christians means like Christ, little Christ. We're becoming like Christ. And so as we grow in our faith, as we grow in our relationship with God, it is evidence that I am a Christian. And he says, he calls out, he says, okay, some of you say you believe God, you grew up in church, you know about God. Show me that you have genuine faith if you don't have any works to prove that. There's a lot of people that believe God, but they don't have genuine faith. Then he says this, he says in the next part, he says, he says, show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. If you want the evidence that I am a Christian, you'll see it in my life. You're not going to see perfection, but you are going to see some progress. You are going to see some evidences of it. You are going to see some desires towards spiritual things. He says in verse 19, he says, You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. He says this. He says, look, I understand that you believe God, but let me remind you, Satan also believes in God. The devils also believe in God. 
You just saying that you believe in God or like, you know, I, I'm, I like spiritual things or I like going to church, that's not enough. Can I, can I just be honest with you this morning? That God, God has called us as Christians. And if there is genuine faith in your heart, then that, that, that genuine faith is not going to stay up here. It's going to come here. It's going to become personal. I think there are some people that know a lot about God, but they don't know God. And just because you know a lot about God does not mean that you have a personal relationship with God. And can I say to you, maybe God brought you into this church this morning to take your head knowledge and bring it down to a personal heart knowledge of knowing the Lord. I grew up in church. I grew up in church from the, from the, from the moment I was born, man. See these babies? I love the babies, man. I tell you, I love the babies in here. They're my favorite church members. All the babies, they don't, they don't ask questions. They don't do anything. They just, man, they just come. They just attend. You know, I love it. I love it, man. The, the babies are my favorite. And, um, and I love the babies. And I remember being a, a little baby in church. I grew up in church, little baby. My, my, parent, my grandparents brought me to church, man. I grew up. I knew everything. I could, I could quote you Bible verses. I could, I, could, I could recite the books of the Bible. I knew who Jonah was and Noah was, and I knew all those different things, but I didn't know the Lord. See, I was surrounded, but it was not in me. And my fear as a pastor, I think this is, this is James's fear as well. I think there's a lot, I think he felt like there were some people in their life that were just kind of going with the crowd, just kind of going along with the flow, just kind of moving with the masses. And not understanding that Christianity is not being a part of a group. It's about having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And can I ask you, as I think James, Pastor James, would ask, here's the question I want you to think about this morning. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Not do you know about God. Not do you go to church. Not do you believe in God. The devils also believe. Has there been a time in your life where you made a decision to trust in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Can I be... As, as, as pointed as I can, my friend, the Bible says if you've never had a time in your life where you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, it doesn't matter how many times you go to church or how much you know about God, the truth of the matter is this, is that when you die, when you pass from this life, you will not spend eternity in heaven. You will spend eternity separated from God in hell. And it pains me to say that because God has given you an opportunity right now. But I'm going to say it, not to scare you. I'm going to say it because I love you. Because God loves you. And He's given you an opportunity to take all this religious things around you and make it personal. Listen, you can try to hold on to religion. You can try to hold on to good works. You can try to hold on to being a good person. But my friend, the Bible doesn't teach that that's how you get to heaven. The Bible teaches very clearly that someone is saved by the grace of God through putting faith in Jesus Christ. And yes, you may stumble afterwards. And yes, you may mess up afterwards. But God will help you. His gospel will transform you. His love will grow you. But it has to start with you making a decision to say, I want to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. I'm done with religion. I'm done with good works. I'm done with trying to figure it out myself. We don't have to figure it out. God already figured it out for us by sending His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross and pay for our sins. And all we have to do is receive Him as our personal Savior, and He will forgive us. He loves us. He will save us. He will redeem us. He will set us free. He will make us clean. He will transform us. That's what God wants to do in your life this morning. He wants to grow you and transform you. He says the, the, the devils also believe. He says, do you want to be shown you fool? Now he gets real. See, James is not, he's not as nice as I am. I'll tell you what. He says, do you want to be shown you foolish person? <laughs> I love James, man. I'll tell you what. He says, fool, we've heard that faith apart from works is useless. He says, okay. I have it. He says, look, I'm trying to help you. But if, if you're still not convinced, 
Let, let, me give you some, let me give you some things here. He says, Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see, that faith was active along with his works. Now that's a key phrase right there. Do we have that on the screen? We do. It says that faith was active along with his works. It's, it's important to understand this. That James talks about a dead faith, a useless faith, and then he talks about an active faith. And he likens an active faith to the actions of Abraham where he offered his son Isaac. He's not saying that when Abraham offered his son Isaac on the altar, all of a sudden Abraham got saved. He's not saying that. What he's saying is, is that his faith in God was so strong and active, not dead, it was genuine and alive, that he did something that most of us wouldn't even, even attempt to do. That he took a step of faith because his faith in God was so real, his faith in God was so genuine, he was willing to offer his own son on an altar and kill his son. That's an incredible level of faith. But he says, what he's saying is, listen, when there is genuine faith in your life, there is nothing that God can ask you that you're not willing to do. God asked Abraham to offer a son. He asked us to come to church on Sunday. He asked us to spend time with him in his word. He asked us to give to the, to, to the Lord through the church. There's nothing that in our lives, when there's genuine faith, that we're not willing to do or willing to look at or consider. He also says this. He gives another uh, example. He says, verse 23, he says, And the Scriptures was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. He's saying, listen, the, the, the way that you are justified is by your faith in God. And the evidence we see that you are justified is the works that you are doing after you have re received genuine faith. He says, you see that a person is justified by works. In verse 25, it says this, And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works? when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. This is, uh, we're talking about Rahab and, and Joshua. Matter of fact, a little side note here, a little side plug. We are studying the book of Joshua verse by verse, Wednesday nights, 7 o'clock, right? Greatest thing happening on Wednesday nights here in Loudoun County, I promise you. And it's wonderful, 7 o'clock, 7, 8, if you want to come and join us and be a part of it. We go verse by verse. We just talked about Rahab. And it's interesting that God would take someone like Abraham who had problems that we read about in the Bible, and someone would take someone like Rahab, who was a prostitute, a woman of the night, and yet say that they were justified by their faith and their evidence is the works. You see, what, what he's saying here is this, is that there are people that it showed that they had genuine faith in God because of what they did. What would cause Rahab to hide spies in her house when she knew she could be killed for that? You know why? She believed in God. And that genuine faith moved her to action. She couldn't help it. She couldn't avoid it. She couldn't get away from it. She had to do it. Why? Because God was using her. And when there is genuine faith in your heart, a belief in God, a personal relationship with God, it will move you to action. And sometimes those actions are unthinkable, unbelievable. They, sometimes God allow, asks you to do things that you would never do, but your faith in God is the foundation for that. And you can make it through. You can overcome. You can uh, be able to get past that situation because of your genuine faith. In the Lord. He says in verse 26, For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith 
apart from works is dead. He just sums it up. And he says, listen, he said, trying to be a Christian without genuine faith is like a body that has no life. Sure, you can, and I'm not trying to be morbid here, you can lift up the body. You can move it around. You can make it look alive. But inside, it's dead. And, and my heart as a pastor in shepherding a flock is that there are some people who would come to church and they look alive. They're doing all the right things and saying all the right things. But inside, they're spiritually dead. And can I encourage you this morning that you don't have to go through the motions. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to try to work your way or earn your way. God has made a way through faith. And so maybe this morning, your decision is, Lord, I want to accept the gospel. I want to accept you as my Savior and allow your gospel to transform me. Or maybe you've already been transformed by the gospel. Maybe you've already accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Maybe you this morning, your decision is this. I'm going to stop trying to change myself. And I'm going to allow God to work in my life. To change me. And all I'm going to do is listen. And whatever God says, I'm willing to do. Whatever He wants, I'm willing to do. The gospel is too powerful. And God is too big for it not to change your life. And if you say you have faith, but there are no evidence of the works of that faith, then my friend, I believe what James is saying is true and what the, the Bible says, then that faith is dead. But today you have the opportunity to accept Jesus and make that faith active and alive today. Can we pray together? Lord, we love you.